0: fundraisers i'm dawn lego and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of raise nation the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas so whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising and together we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. I am super inspired by my guests on this episode of Raise Nation. They're the co-founders of the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation, and I know we're going to get into a really great conversation. Um, It's always inspiring to me and and the point of Raise Nation to deliver the voice of the fundraiser and hear their stories and um, what motivated them to build better tomorrows. But in this particular case, we have young women who became very philanthropic at a young age, and that's even more inspiring. So with that, please welcome Alyssa Lego and Amanda Wachowski, co-founders of the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation. Hello, ladies. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great.
2: Thanks. How are you? Uh, We're so excited to be here on Raise Nation today. And thanks so much for this great opportunity. I think we're going to have a great discussion.
1: Hi, how are very you, Amanda? Excited. Very excited to be here. Alyssa and I uh, love talking about our foundation to help spread our message. So we're very thankful to be on this podcast today.
0: Well, it's great to have you. And as I mentioned in, in the opening, you were just so inspired um, on the story, about the stories that we hear on Raised Nation and anybody who wants to build better tomorrows, impact communities. You know, they have my attention. They have my ear. But the two of you started, I won't ask you your age because that wouldn't be fair, but I believe you started the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation as teenagers, and that is really impressive, very inspiring, and I want to hear that story. What motivated you at such young ages to to dive deep into impacting communities, um, creating societal change, and and just building a tomorrow that that you want to live in? So, um, Alyssa, why don't we start with you? What was the inspiration?
2: Of course. So I think the most important part um, in talking a little bit more about what we do and why we do it is, of course, our why. And um, I was actually, well, the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation, we are a 501c3 committed to providing direct support to individuals in the autism spectrum in our local, national, and even global communities. And this was something that I um, first woke up to when I was about gosh, eight years old. Um, I have a younger brother. Wait, 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 eight, eight years old. Yes. Okay. The first time that I realized the changes that needed to be made in my community. And I was about 14 years old when I first made those first steps in figuring out what I could do to, to be that change and make those changes. Um, So I have a younger brother, Michael, Um, he has special needs and he's nonverbal. And I was very young when I woke up to the ableism and the discrimination and the ostracization that he faced um, because of his disability. And of course, I absolutely love my brother as a protective older sister, but it is a little bit different when you have a younger sibling um, that is disabled. And of course, I just wanted to eradicate any any societal struggles that um, he faced. And as I as I got older, I realized that that's a lot more complicated. Um, we live in a society where ableism is ingrained into our into our workforce, into our structures, in our day to day interactions, and. As an older sister, I, I wasn't OK with that. And I started to meet other siblings and other families um, who were united in this fight against ableism and wanted to to be that change. So the very first thing I did um, was I collaborated with a fourth grade teacher of mine when I was about 13 years old. And we created the Friends Who Are Different lesson plan program. And that was all about um eradicating bullying for students with disabilities and also eradicating um, harmful labels and stereotypes. So I had the wonderful opportunity as a middle school student to go into kindergarten through second grade classrooms to talk about this issue that was that was so important to me and to so and to so many of my peers. And then about a year later, I was able to meet up with Amanda. Um, how did has, that happen? How did the, how did sure, the two of you meet? Sure. Amanda, do you want to kind of go into how we met and our first steps in um, starting what is now MMM? Yeah, so. We met
1: through the pageant industry. We came in contact through a great event. And I invited Alyssa and her brother to come to my skate-a-thon. As a figure skater, I was hosting autism skate-a-thons to help raise money uh, for Autism New Jersey at the time. So Alyssa, Michael, her whole family came. Um, We even got Michael on the ice. And it was a great experience. And we started talking about what could we do together and how could we do more. And so came the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation. Oh, just like that,
0: just, just, just like that. You.
1: Well, it definitely took some time. It definitely <laughs> yeah. took a lot of planning, a lot of uh, talk about what should be our big impact, what should be our big fundraising event. We started with Shop Sell Strut, which is now the Strut brand of events, and we are still working. More towards getting different audiences. We have the pageant community. We have philanthropists. We are working on other secret projects that will be coming to light like soon.
0: Oh, we're going to have to have you on a future episode of Raise Nation to find out about them. Well, Amanda, what was your inspiration then? Um, so we, we see how Alyssa got to this place, but w- what about yourself? You were you were you were an, a figure skater? Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing? You're a figure skater, yeah. and you're you're doing a fundraiser with your Team, is it? And tell me about that. How, what was your inspiration?
1: Yeah, so I started uh, attending the Autism Skate-a-thon at my local rink. Uh, I think I was 14, maybe, when I first attended. Wow. And I like individuals who don't have a sibling or a relative, uh, a close relative in their family that has special needs, didn't really know much about it. You hear autism every day. But at the time, nobody was really talking about what it is or how you can help. And I started to learn that my uh, backyard neighbor has autism. He built this massive uh, castle out of Legos and he is nonverbal. Nobody knew that while he was doing it, he broke three toes. And I heard this story and I was like, I need to know more. So I started continuing the skate-a-thon and it got passed down to me. And as I started working on it, I started learning about more people in my extended family, more people around the block from me, more people in my community that have autism and the various different ways they have autism. So I got inspired to help spread that message of making more people aware and meeting Alyssa, I've learned the importance of acceptance as well.
0: Okay. So how does this happen at a young, at a young age? I mean, it's not usual. What, what would you say to all of the young men and women that are eight, 14, 19, that can make a difference? Um, You know, you, you, you went out, you did it, you did hard things, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But I'm so inspired that, Alyssa, you mentioned that you woke up at eight years old and Amanda, you mentioned at 14, you know, you you had a, a curious mind. You wanted to learn more by magic or by the grace of God, the two of you came together and and we're, we're better for it. Um, but what would you say to, to, to your peers out there, younger, slightly older about being the change?
2: I think that's a great question. Um, I think it, it takes a lot of soul searching um, about about what makes you tick, about what makes you angry, about what experiences you've had that you can unite with others and figure out how you can change that. For me, it was anger. I was mad that my family was isolated. I was mad that my community and um, the places in which I live treated autism as a deficiency, as a disease, when really it's just a different neurology and a different way of seeing the world. And I wanted to basically stand up on a pedestal and learn as much as I could and eradicate those stigmas while also providing direct support to um, individuals that live with autism that do need those extra support and resources that um, I felt like with enough um, years of fundraising and training and planning that um, I could be able to help provide. And I thought that was a really exciting, exciting role for me, but it definitely stemmed from something that I was really angry and upset about. And I think being in tune with what makes you angry, what makes you upset, what things that you see in society that you want to change, and then meeting with um, the logic behind it, for me, I couldn't be more grateful to have met Amanda and her family, because they were able to Um, help me take my emotions and the things that I was upset about it and put it into a logical plan to move forward to actually get into the communities and to make that change. So it certainly takes um, a lot of emotion and a lot of passion and a great, great view of how you can see the places that you're in be changed for the better. But it also takes um, a lot of logistical things, a lot of planning. And I think once you have those two things, it's just a perfect storm and you can only, move forward from there. So I feel like that's how it all kind of came together for us and for the establishment of what today is known as the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation.
0: Do you think young people today have a responsibility to um, develop philanthropy and a philanthropic um, outlet? Because it seems to me, Alyssa, that you channeled um, frustration, anger, into a positive into into a positive way so that that that's great you know any anybody out there that's listening that that's um upset or frustrated or angry or emotional over something you, you too can be the change right you channel it in, in in the right direction surround yourself with the right people make a plan right sounds like that's all great advice but is it it is a responsibility how do you feel about that amanda what what would you say to young people that is it, is it their responsibility to do something?
1: I think that it's a, a responsibility for everyone in this world to do something, to speak up for what you're passionate about, to speak up for others who might not be able to. I think a lot of individuals when they're younger, especially children or the ages that Alyssa and I were, when we first started uh, this major philanthropic work that we would call our lives. Uh, I think when children are that age, they're often looked kind of down upon and people aren't really as inspired to kind of get behind them and give them that little push, which we're fortunate enough to have a great community behind us. But a lot of children these days don't have that push to get out and serve your community more. Get out and you want to start your own foundation at five years old a lot of people don't take it as realistic as Alyssa and I were taken. So I think that they do have a responsibility, but I also think that their families, their community behind them have the responsibility to ignite that passion and help them move forward.
0: And give them the opportunity. I,
2: well I definitely agree. Um, I think there is um, a responsibility in in every person to um, do what they can to shape their society and their community into one that is, you know, worth living in. And I think it's the idea of effective altruism. I read a wonderful book, um, about a month ago by Peter Singer, um, called the most good you can do. And the concept of effective altruism is all about examining your resources, examining your capabilities and what you're able to do to creating the most positive change and the most positive impact within, within your realm. Um, whether that's your school, your state, um, your town, um, I I would really recommend the book. It's wonderful. Um, but I, I think our societal responsibilities and obligations really come down to that idea of effective altruism. And for um, for myself, and I think for Amanda as well, after so many years of soul searching and planning, we feel that our role as effective altruists is um, as the co-founders of, of MMM.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, I'm learning a lot from two young and powerful women. Um, Let's talk about the what and the how, starting with the what. What is it that you do at the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation, which you affectionately call MMM? Um, And let's talk about that. It's the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation. Sometimes it's MMM. What are the M's? Well, I guess it's Morgan Marie Michael, but where do those names come from?
2: Amanda, you want to take it away? (laughs) Sure. So I
1: guess when you come up with a name for an organization, it might be a little hard. But for us, it was more so about ourselves and our mission. So Morgan comes from Alyssa's middle name. Marie comes from my middle name. And Michael is inspiration that helps ignite our mission, which is Alyssa's brother, Michael.
0: Oh, okay, because so I was wondering, why wasn't it Amanda and Alyssa Foundation? I got it. Okay, so let's talk about, let's get to the what and then how you do it. What what are you doing to, to impact communities? You, you've, you've mentioned that you're a 501c3. I saw that you're celebrating your fifth anniversary or fifth birthday celebration. That's a milestone achievement for sure. What is it that you're doing? Is it is it all awareness? Or are you directly impacting the community with programming? Tell me a little bit about the what, what. What what are what's the impact? What what are you doing?
2: Well, I think what makes us unique is the fact that we really focus on awareness and acceptance, and also direct support. That's our biggest commitment. Is remaining a direct to serve um, foundation. So our programs are kind of united by this idea of educating the community and, you know, our surrounding community members, but also empowering those community members to get involved and support while also providing that direct support to individuals and their families. So some of our programs that more focus on direct support, um, my personal favorite is our iCan iPad learning experience. iPads are Really wonderful and groundbreaking tools for a student or an adult or a child with autism, because they really um, through augmentative alternative communication software they're able to um, provide those tools and those resources to help facilitate communication, um, especially for an individual that is non vocal or who has. um, minimal vocal communication skills, but it's also just a great way to allow them to learn, grow, um, and discover with a tool that's right at their fingertips. Um, And not all families have the resources to purchase an iPad, to purchase a protective case, and to purchase that um, AAC software. So with the iCan iPad learning experience, um, we do an application every year and we take a lot of time to read those applications and to find um, our perfect recipients for the year. And we will supply them with an iPad, a protective case, um, and that AAC software, because it really is an instrumental tool. I know my younger brother's life was absolutely changed um, when he received his iPad. And 10 years later, it's, it's still a huge, huge part of his school life, social all of the above. Um, So Amanda, do you want to talk a little bit more about some of our other direct to serve programs? Yeah, I
1: think that there's two of our big programs that are my favorites as well. I mean, they all are. But two of our other programs, I would say is our sensory toy program. We have an annual uh, sensory toy drive through Amazon Smile, which we collect uh, toys that we can donate to schools, organizations as uh, aside, with our iPad, we can donate sensory items as well. So we've collected squiglets and donated thousands of squiglets all over the tri-state, New England areas. Those were a big success, success at the Lights Fest. And so many people are attentive to it. They're bright colors. You can play with them, pull at them. That was a big hit. But we have other sensory... Let me tell you what's it. What's a, what,
0: a sensory toy? What's the difference between a sensory toy and a toy. What, why sensory toys? Are you talking about something you can touch and feel and play? Give me a little more flavor about that.
1: Okay.
2: I think Alyssa, do you want to explain this part? Sure. Sure. So um, many individuals on the autism spectrum experience um, difficulties with a sensory input, sensory, sensory output. Um, some people have, have different triggers, um, you know, for, I guess, uh, my brother, he hates loud noises. I know other people um, have really hard um, experiences um, with different textures of food, things like that. So sensory toys are just a really great way for people to regulate their bodies and to regulate um, that sensory input or output that they need. Um, So a sensory toy that it can be slime. Um, I don't know if you've seen poppets. They're huge with kids nowadays. Um, I think They sell out on Amazon probably every other day, but poppets are super popular. Fidget spinners, um, just things that you can touch and feel. And they really help... help um, individuals on autism spectrum go throughout their day-to-day lives because you don't really think of a shopping mall as being a fear for some people, but the bright lights, the tons of people running around, the noises, um, that can be really difficult. And a sensory toy can provide a lot of enjoyment, but it can also go a really long way in helping um, somebody with autism go throughout their day-to-day lives and be in the community. So they're they're really important um, for play, but also um, on kind of the medical side of it as well.
0: So, yeah, cause I've heard so many, you know, I, I see all over the place, especially this time of year, um, we're, we're recording this, um, right around the holiday season and there's toy drives all, all over the place, but you're very specific about your toy drive in that you're collecting toys that are also providing, um, a sensory, um, input i guess would right. would be accurate got it okay so i didn't mean to interrupt you amanda so you're talking about your sensory toy so you, you your toy drives are collecting sensory toys and then you're delivering them to the communities is that right
1: yes definitely to the communities uh, we do have an exciting uh, day planned coming up we will be actually going to boston college's uh School for Individuals with Special Needs, and we will be donating uh, toys up there. So we are very excited to be able to reach a larger audience, reach more of the country. But one of the other things that I actually wanted to mention while Lisa was uh, telling you more about what sensory toys are, she mentioned how her brother Michael doesn't uh, enjoy loud noises. So another sensory item that we are looking for that we are in the process of getting our noise canceling headphones to help with that sensory need. And that is leading into one of our other big projects that we are working on, which is the SafeCon sensory bags, which we will be providing to patrol cars to help our policemen when they have to pick up an individual with autism, when they're engaging to help get them to communicate and find their home.
0: So why do, why do police need assistance? The po- police needs, so help me out. Help me, help me understand that. So okay. what is that
2: called? Safecom? What was that called? So it's called SafeCom Sensory, and this is our um, particular project that I am really passionate about, um, because if you look at the statistics, um, especially regarding police br- brutality, there are really disproportionate rates in how um, individuals with disabilities, um, and specifically individuals um, that have autism spectrum disorder, um, are treated by police officers, and that really stems from misunderstanding. And you know that's that's where we can all come in to help to help educate our fellow members of the community. So an in inter- with a police officer can be very stressful for for anyone. Well, for sure me, for sure. let yes. me just start there. <laughs> I'm sure I'm knock on wood, I have not had an interaction with a police officer yet. But it's stressful for anyone. And I'm sure everybody listening can relate to that. But for Somebody with autism, that is multiplied by 500. Um, so sometimes the lines in those interactions can be a little bit blurred. And like I said, it just it just stem- stems from misunderstanding. So we are putting together um, these safe, calm sensory bags to equip um, different um, police departments um, within their patrol in their patrol cars so that if they are um, having an interaction with a community member that is identified to have autism or some very high sensory needs they're able to provide them with those bags with some sunglasses to um, distract from the bright lights, noise canceling headphones um, from the loud sirens. And um, we, we hope and we know that that will really help to soften um, that interaction. And it's also allowing us to Educate our police officers on um, some different, um, more effective ways to handle interactions with individuals on the autism spectrum. But like I said, it really, it really does stem from from um, a misunderstanding. Um, so we're really glad to be able to find this um, part of the community where we can, you know, give our own special impact. So that's SafeCom Sensory.
0: SafeCom sen- Okay. Wow. Okay. So when you, so you're much more than just an um, awareness foundation, not that there's anything wrong with being an awareness foundation, Um, but um, you're really, when you mentioned about giving that direct support, that's for sure what you're doing, but that takes a lot of fundraising. Um, So how are we, you know, we wanted to talk about the what, now the how, how do you get this all done? Well, how, how do you accomplish all of your impact your strategy your fundraising to get to make all of this happen cuz sounds like noise canceling headphones and iPads and sensory toys can be pretty expensive.
1: Yeah, so when we first started the foundation we were doing an annual uh, fashion show. Obviously the pandemic hit and it kind of turned our in-person world upside down. So we have been able to use the One Cause fundraising suite of technology to have virtual events to help with that fundraising. So we were able to do a fundraising event over the summer where we had uh, videos, pre-recorded videos to explain our what, our why. Oh, actually that wasn't over the summer. That was a little earlier, but You get the point. We had a great experience where we were able to pre-record videos explaining our what, explaining our why, having uh, Maddie Pruitt uh, talk. We've had many different. From The Bachelor? Yes, from The Bachelor.
2: Oh, wow. Super cool. (laughs) Definitely. Thanks to Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) It was everyone's idea. We love getting, (laughs) being able to throw in some celebrity shout outs, and we're glad that that's possible with the VEC Virtual Event Center.
1: Yeah, so we were able to have this virtual event where people could tune in from wherever they were um, and help support us as we are on this journey and one way that they could continue to support us right now is through our giving site with giving Tuesday this past week, we are always fundraising, especially this time of year.
2: No. Wow, sounds I, like you're very busy. I'm sorry. You were going to say something, Melissa? No, you're you're fine. Um, I just I just kind of want to talk about that transition from um, living post COVID to in the height of COVID to um, to now um, because I think that's been a huge challenge for uh, grassroots organizations, for large organizations, of course. So when the pandemic first hit, we were kind of in a standstill. Um, we had been hosting these huge um fashion show marketplace hybrid events with uh 200 people plus in a att- probably 300 plus in attendance and we're like oh well can't really do that anymore um so we had to hit the drawing board for probably the first time in, in two years, you know, as a young organization, we really wanted to bring things that were engaging and and different. And we're like, okay, um, we don't want to have just like a basic Facebook live fundraiser event. So the answer, um, really was the, the VEC and, um, even even as we're starting to step out um, and transition out of the pandemic we're still um, looking into this virtual space just because the possibilities are so em- endless. We've been able to host a bake-a-thon, which was amazing. Um, we had maybe about six different local bakers and it was it was just like on food Network. Um, they uh, baked up and uh, showed our, our virtual audience um, some of their favorite homemade recipes and we were able to um, make, little um, recipe books with those exact recipes that people could um, receive with a donation. My favorite virtual event that we did was Strutting in the Skies. A little play on our strut events Um, and here we were actually able to engage our ambassadors and our ambassadors are really the beating heart of our of our organization which has also been possible with the p2p software so with our ambassadors um, there were different levels of fundraising and according to those different levels of fundraising we had a photo shoot all day, one day in August, 2020. And we put those photos on billboards all across the country. And that was just something that we never could have thought we were able to do before. We had billboards in Vegas, in Times Square, in New York City, in Connecticut, in um, Florida, all acro- all across the country. And it was just an amazing way to not only celebrate our ambassadors um, and to recognize the amazing fundraising that they had done that year, but it was really a great way to um, continue to stimulate donations, but also to get our message on these huge billboards all across the country. So that's, that's what you can do with, with virtual fundraising. And we're certainly so excited to transition back into all in person, but really it, this opportunity was a blessing in disguise, um, to allow us to, um, engage these different audiences and really do things that we never thought would have been possible, um, in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Wow. So so you've been on billboards all over the country. That's let, let me ask you point blank, Amanda. Had the pandemic not hit, do you think you would have ever seen the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation on billboards throughout the country? Do you think that would have happened?
1: Honestly, I don't know if we would have even thought of it. It was a big idea of what can we do nationally? and virtually and how can we get our message to the world or I guess the US at that time. And I don't think we would have actually thought of that idea had we not had to think outside of the box for virtual opportunities that could help uh, expand our message
0: wow so you have a lot going on and i'm so impressed um just with your strategy and your thought process I, I can't believe we've spoken for almost a half hour what what's next what 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 do you envision is next i mean i don't i don't know what's left you've you've started your own nonprofit organization you've created programming you' you have a number of things going you you're fundraising, um, virtually, online, in person, what could possibly be next?
2: Well, I think our biggest focus right now is continuing our different initiatives for the 2021-2022 season of giving, um, which is so important for any organization, of course. Um, so we will link our giving site, you know, at the at the end of the episode. So that's probably one of our biggest priorities um, right now. On December 16th, we'll be traveling to the Boston College Campus School to do our um, our third annual sensory toy drive. Um, our 2022 iPad applications just opened. So that's very exciting. And we're certainly looking forward to reviewing those in the coming um, weeks and months. But something that's really been on my heart and on my mind is um, providing more support for adults with autism over the age of 21. Um, my brother is 16 right now. He's about to be 17. And 21, 2021 is a really scary age for um, families that um, have a child that lives with autism, um, just because a lot of your resources are cut off when you hit 21. Um, your uh, your schooling, your after school resources are really just cut off. And that's, that's a really scary thing. So I think the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation has a really unique opportunity to um, continue to dream up and to not only dream up, but put into action, um, these different plans and resources to really target that special population of adults with autism. So that's probably my answer to what's next for the Morgan Marie Michael foundation, just because it's it's so important and really overlooked as well.
0: And, um, we're celebrating, um, autism awareness month coming up in April, right? Just a couple of months from now. So I'm sure you're gearing up for that as well.
2: Yes. Amanda, do you want to talk about our t-shirt for? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say.
1: We actually have our uh, 2022 Autism Awareness Acceptance Month, as we like to say. Uh, T-shirts, limited edition right now. So they're actually on our giving site, which is p2p.onecause.com forward slash give. M M M F 21. And we have our annual uh, t-shirts linked there and we're selling them right now. Limited edition, get them in time for Christmas before we close them down. Maybe they'll come back in time for the month of April. Maybe they won't. So it's something you don't want (laughs) to miss right now, but another campaign that has to do with t-shirts is something that is also our what's next. And you've heard about our iPads. You've heard about our sensory toys, but We actually met a little girl who is non-vocal and prone to self-injurious behaviors. Uh, Her and her twin both have autism, but she definitely uh, is more impacted. So her family's looking to get a service dog. So on top of our limited edition Strut for Autism t-shirts, we're actually doing a Strut for Beatrice t-shirt to help Beatrice raise funds for her service dog. Strut for Beatrice. Aww that sounds adorable um
0: you just are very well branded um and uh i think um i can't wait to see what the future holds uh for both of you um so let's see we have SafeCom, we have sensory toys ipads strut for beatrice strut for autism yeah you girls are very busy um any shout outs um before we uh have to uh, say goodbye to our audience. Uh, anybody you want uh, in particular that you'd like to shout out? Sounds like Beatrice would be one of them. So hi, Beatrice, we love you. Um,
2: anybody else? Huge shout out to Beatrice. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to our ambassadors as well. Um, as I said, they are. The beating heart and the hands and feet of our organization and to see, um, some of the ways that they've really just gone above and beyond in the past five years is just incredible. So thank you so much to all of our ambassadors, um, our donors and supporters. Of course, um, these are some pretty hefty undertakings, uh, that do require, um, funds. So thank you so much, um, for your support over the years. And we can't wait to connect with, um, even even larger audiences in the years to come. Um, And I also want to give a shout out to my brother, Michael, because I would not be here, obviously, um, without him. So shout out to Michael.
0: Amanda, how about you? Anybody in particular come to mind?
2: All right. I do have one
1: person in particular, but I also have two organizations that have made this current fundraiser and all of our fundraisers possible. So I want to thank One Cause for all their fundraising suite of technology. Those have truly made a huge impact in our organization and our fundraising efforts. And also to Bonfire, which is how we're currently doing our t-shirt campaigns they are helping us so much support Shop for autism and Shop for beatrice but i think Alyssa made a very good point in mentioning our ambassadors they are the heart and soul of our organization but we do have an ambassador of the year her name is ariana matthews so i want to shout her out for all her amazing work and all of her support for the past five years but especially this year
0: Ah, oh, wow it sounds like you have a beautiful community behind you and and um you really developed develop something special. All right, how can we get in touch with you? Where 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 do we go to find the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation? Are you on social? I presume you
2: are. Where where do we
0: get you? Where do we get to these? you?
2: So on socials, um, we are Strut for Autism on Instagram. And then we have two different Facebook handles. We have the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation and then Strut, which is, of course, the um, brand behind the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation. I'm not sure if I made that clear. Um, but if you do have any specific questions about our program, if you um, would like to nominate someone for our I Can iPad learning experience or even have any questions or suggestions for us, we'd love to hear them. So you can send us an email at... At Morgan Marie Michael Foundation at gmail.com. And then, Amanda, do you want to give the link for our holiday giving site? Yes, so our holiday giving site is live, and you can find that at p2p.onecause.com
1: forward slash give MMMF21.
0: Wow. You know, and before we before we sign off here, um, this is not the only thing that you do. Right. So tell me a little bit about Amanda, what do you have going on in your life? I mean, are you is this your full time job or are you exploring um, other opportunities outside of the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation?
1: Um, so currently I'm getting my master's of biomedical sciences at Nova Southeastern on my way to medical school. And I also work as a medical scribe for two different organizations. So definitely this is not a full-time job. I definitely am uh, busy pursuing uh, a degree, a medical degree. Um, so I would love to make this a full-time job, but I love, I'm very passionate about becoming a physician.
0: Well, somehow you're splitting yourself in 30. And what about you, Alyssa?
2: So I am a full time student. Um, in addition to being the co-founder of the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation, I just started my well, actually, I'm just about to finish my first semester at Boston College. I'm a pre-law student here. Um, so as of right now, I will hopefully be attending law school after my undergrad years um, at B.C. Um, I abs- as for hobbies, I absolutely love um Writing, hiking—I love getting outdoors um, when I have time. Um, yeah, when and, do you have time? Uh, good, but in the summer I have—I have time in the summer. Um, but as of now, um, I do kind of split my time evenly between. Um, being a full-time student, where I'm a member of the undergraduate government, a part of the student admission program, as well as an undergraduate leadership program, which is which is really amazing. In addition to my pre-law studies, and then um, my philanthropic work as the co-founder of MMM. Wow. Are you sure there's not like three of each of you getting all of this work done?
0: <laughs> Pretty impressive. We, we we aspire to be inspiring here on Raise Nation. And you've certainly been that, been that. So fearless fundraisers with that. It's about all the time we have. I wish I can talk to these young women for another hour, but that's all we have time today. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 PM Eastern Standard Time. But in the meantime, be sure to listen to all the episodes um, on Raise Nation Radio and follow whatever channel you prefer, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or on demand at onecause.com. Fundraisers, you are doing amazing things. Amanda, Alyssa, you're doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. The stories are just awe-inspiring. And on Raise Nation Radio, you won't want to miss a single episode. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising. With easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Be sure to check them out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on their homepage for a broad catalog of ebooks, webinars and blogs that you're sure to find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guests, Alyssa and Amanda. We so so great having you and thank you for sharing your expertise and your authentic voice today. We really appreciate having you on Raise Nation Radio. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Well, I truly enjoyed our conversation. Um, thank you again so much. That is a wrap. Until next time, I am Don Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. OneCause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. OneCause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions. That help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising.